I had been in a role for about 10 years and we had done amazing things. I had built a team, we had grown the business, so much success, so much fun. But I was at that point where it was more about maintaining an incremental growth. And I was ready, I was hungry for that next thing to challenge me. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. When my youngest son Grayson was born, I remember a shift that took place for me internally, and it went something like this. In my head, it sounded like, okay... I now have three small kids at home and I am at work or commuting like 60, sometimes many more hours a week. And when I'm not there, I'm stressing about work. So something's got to give, something's got to change. Now this, this is similar to what happens for a lot of people. And maybe it's bringing a new child into the world. Maybe it's your favorite coworker finding a new job. Something happens externally where you decide it's time for a priority change, a priority shift. And making that decision alone can seem life-changing, but it can also be kind of terrifying. It can seem like, okay, I want to leave. I want something new, but has my entire career all my degrees, my experience, all the time it took to get here. Has that been for nothing? I mean, my job was my identity. So I had to figure out who was I without this job and and what did I want to do? And, and there was some work for me to understand that just because I left that role, I didn't leave all of my strengths behind and I didn't leave, you know, who I was behind. All of that was still me. That's Haley Stomp. And as you'll hear in just a little bit, Haley received her degree in chemical engineering and later pivoted to marketing. She has now accumulated a lot of experience and is currently a fractional chief marketing officer and just as importantly, if not more importantly, a mom. Haley realized it was time for another career pivot when her priorities began shifting from her home life and work life and they were no longer meshing. I want you to take a listen in the conversation that I have with her because you're going to hear how Haley came to terms with leaving a company that she had been at for well over a decade and what it took for her to figure out what she wanted her career to look like and how it could truly fit in her to the rest of her life. Here she is talking about where her career started. Yeah, I've had a couple of big pivots during my career. So I I graduated with a chemical engineering degree and I went into engineering in a in a food production company. So I know how to make a lot of different things, breakfast yeah. cereal, fruit snacks and cake and all kinds of stuff. So that was exciting. I did that for several years and then I made a transition from that company to a different company and When I switched to that job, I started my master's to get my MBA. And during my, when I was getting my degree at night, I started shifting from manufacturing into R&D and project management. And that gave me a whole view of all the different functions in a business. And I realized that marketing was having a lot of fun. 
they were getting to go do stuff and get out of the manufacturing plant. And so as I was finishing my degree, I tailored my classes to the to the marketing end. So by the time I got done with my master's, I had been eyeing a, a marketing job within the same company. So I moved into that role. So it was a big change for me to go from being an engineer to being in charge of marketing. And okay, hold on. Let me ask you about that then. So was that really a case of where you're looking at other people in marketing and be like, that looks like they get to have all the fun or or were there other elements there that caused you to say, Hey, I think I want to lean more towards marketing. Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, it was both. I was working on really important projects, but I, I literally bought a manure spreading truck for a project I was working on. Yeah, I was working with sulfuric acid, which was dangerous. I was getting called in the middle of the night because pumps weren't running. So I'm doing all of these things that were interesting and exciting. And I love the science and I love that I was doing it, but I was seeing this, the business side and people were getting to make big strategic decisions and get outside of those walls of the plant and, and go places and see people and do things. And I, I really wanted to be a part of that action. Is that part of the... I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last year and a half. And one thing that has become very evident to me is those strategic decisions are something that you are very good at. I'm curious though, where you started to realize and recognize that one, that was fun for you because it sounds like that was, that's part of what you were alluding to. And then two, that that was something that you were, or had the potential to be great at. You know, I, I took a bridge role in between engineering and and marketing. It was a project manager role. And in that project manager role, I could take my project manager skills as an engineer and see all the potential problems. And I got to understand all the functions. And the thing I really liked doing, I got to report to the leadership team on how our project was doing. I get to tell them, here's where the problems are. Here's where we need money. Here's what's going well. And I loved that part of it, trying to direct the decisions and figure out and basically negotiate on the things that I think needed to happen so we could hit the goal. So that Mm. that role was really, I think, where I discovered my love of being in that position. So how did that influence then some of the changes that you made after that? Yeah. So I I applied for a marketing role when I graduated and moved out of the project manager role, got the marketing role. And a couple months into this role, I had a presentation in Belgium. I got to fly to Belgium and give this presentation. And one of the leaders in the company approached me and she said, hey, we want to go work with this company in China and we need somebody to to launch this product for us globally. Would you be interested? And I was like, I know nothing about the product. I've never (laughs) been to China, but yes. Sure. That sounds great. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, it was one of those sliding door moments for me where I just, just, took a leap and just did it. It was probably the biggest pivot of my career to go do that because it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And it just sent me down this track that was really eye-opening and and developing and changing on what I was going to be doing. What were some of the biggest learnings out of that experience, living outside your comfort zone? (laughs) I learned I couldn't be afraid to fly when you have to get on a 13-hour flight. (laughs) have to get over that in a hurry. You know, I think the main thing I learned is that I could do so much more than I gave myself credit for. I mean, I went to Asia by myself for a whole month and I I was also pretty scrappy. And 
you know, the big learning, I think when you leave your culture and start working within other cultures, it's just how similar you are. Mm -hmm. And it was about building those relationships and understanding where people were coming from and, and building that team. And, you know, they're, they're my teammates, like the person that sits in the same town as me, they're the same as, as that in terms of our relationship and what we needed to do together. I'm also curious then what caused you after you started making these changes, recognizing what you enjoyed more and then moving up the ladder with this organization, what, what were the pieces that caused you to recognize that you no longer wanted to move in the same path? Yeah. I mean, I think my priorities shifted a little bit. I went through, you know, when I didn't have kids, I was doing a lot of this exciting climbing and traveling and all of that. And then when you start to have to balance, you know, a marriage and kids and all of this stuff, you just have to reprioritize a little bit. So I think it was that balancing act was definitely, you know, a reason to shift and think about how am I going to do all of this? Yeah. And I think too, I've always had a project mindset. So as an engineer, you could be a process engineer, a project engineer. I tended to be a project engineer. I wanted to start in an end date and I wanted to see that. And then I wanted to move on to the next thing. Mm. And so I think there were a couple of points where I was like, all right, I feel like I've gotten this to a good point. I need the next, I need the next thing. And I need this project to be over and move on to a different. I'm ready for the next one because this is more about maintaining and more incremental growth where I was looking maybe for some of those opportunities to make those big shifts. So that's really fascinating. I think even that mindset of having a project outlook, and I found that that can be really helpful for people because when we're in a, what was the name of the last role you're in? Senior vice president of global marketing. Yeah. When you're in, you know, that type of role where you're senior vice president of global marketing, it's perpetual. Like it just it goes on. It is not, it is not necessarily uh, something that unless you are treating it as a project with a open and close and, you know, maybe even experimental type mindset, then it is perpetual. And I think that in itself creates a lot of challenges when other things start to change in your life. Like you described, Hey, you know, I was married and, you know, had kids and there became other different priorities that started to become very important as well. And it's when something's perpetual or non-project, then it it's harder. I found to even think about like stepping away or changing the landscape or moving on to the next project or whatever. So I'm curious what that was like for you and whether you found the same experience or what advice you might give to someone who's in that situation. You know, I think one of the big learnings I've had in the last couple of years is that there are phases in life. You know, you go to college and you, your eye is on the prize. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to get this job. I'm focused on my career. And oh, by the way, I want to get married and have kids, but I'm focused on my career, focused on my career. And you're kind of going through your 20s. And even for me, I would say my early 30s, like this is all just going to work out. And I think the last couple of years, I really realized that, look, I'm in a different phase now. I, I read there was an article recently that I ran across where it talked about the three phases of a women, woman's career. Yeah. And yeah. it was so helpful to say, oh, wait. This is normal. There are phases in a career. And as I'm getting older, as the the things in my life, priorities are changing. It's okay. It's normal that your career is going to look different along these phases and that you're not just going to put the gas down 100% until you die. I mean, it's okay to kind of 
work everything together. And maybe, and maybe that was the realization that this, this phase of my life needs to all fit together or stack together. It doesn't have to be my career is driving everything and I'll try to fit everything in there. It's more like, how do I make this phase of my life ideal with, with all of the factors that are, that are in it? So, you know, on your project versus perpetual, I think it was, I think it was about giving myself permission to say, mm. I get to design this phase, how it works for me, instead of just following along the career trajectory and hoping everything else fits in. That makes a lot of sense. What made you finally decide that I'm going to make a career change from that role, that situation, that organization? What, what took place that caused you to decide? Yeah. So two years before I left, I had been in a role for about 10 years and we had done amazing things. I had built a team. We had grown the business so much success, so much fun. But I was at that point, like I was talking about that project versus perpetual, where it was more about maintaining an incremental growth. And I was hungry for that next thing to challenge me. That other I, project. Yeah, yes, I was ready. And so I, I was, I was at a decision point internally in the company to, do I look outside or do I look for something internal? And timing worked out really well for me to try this global role, to go back to the global role and putting my superwoman cape on, I was going to spend half the time out of the country and do this amazing job. At the same time, my kids were starting to need more from me in terms of activities and eating and whatever, whatever it was, you know? So I think it was a little bit of a perfect storm in terms of it was the ultimate challenge. I try to, I think about like watching the Olympics and different dives have different difficulty ratings. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I stepped into like, okay, the highest difficulty rating. So if I perform in here, I should get a really good score because the difficulty rating of everything I'm trying to do at once is, is pretty high. But I, I mean, I grew so much in those two years and that was such a good experience and it was a good decision to make that move. But COVID hit. And I think holding all the balls that we had going in the air at the same time, mm -hmm. COVID was finally the, the straw that broke the camel's back in ter terms of trying to keep all of these things moving at the same time. And it was just not sustainable. What was the final thing, if you remember, if there was one thing that caused you to say, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm making the change. I remember the day that that I was like, all right, something's got to change. I, I was on a conference call and I'd been on several conference calls and, you know, I'd been really trying to keep it all going. And I just dropped off the call and I got in my car. I left work. I got in my car and I drove to my parents' house and I just said, look, I, I don't know if I can go back to work tomorrow. Like, how am I going to get up tomorrow? I, I have all these things that need to be done. I need, I need to talk about this. And so in the bucolic small town, Iowa way, we went to an apple orchard and bought some apples. We had a nice dinner. We talked about it. And the next morning I got up, I called into the, the next conference call and drove home while I was on the call and was like, all right, I'm going to get through this, but I've made a decision that I need to make a change and I need to figure out how to do that. So my project manager hat was going to go back on and say, you know, what's my action that I need to take to get out of this place? And I, 
I didn't mention this before, but earlier in my career, I'd had another, I'd had another moment where I was like, things were not going well. I need to leave. And I gave myself at that point, I gave myself three months. I said, I am doing this for three months and I'm going to make it work. And if in three months I haven't fixed it, then I will make a decision. And luckily at that point, three months later, it was all going great. But in that pivot point in 2020, I just, I could feel that I needed to upset the apple cart in an even bigger way to make it, to make it better. After you made that decision, do you remember what it felt like at that point in time? What, what, what did that feel like? Honestly, relief. I had a sense of relief, like, okay, I've made a decision. And I think, you know, I've noticed that a lot along the way. Yeah, and Mo yeah. and I have talked about that too, that he, he told me action brings clarity and making a decision one way or another is, is such a relief. And it may not be the right decision, but man, just making that decision feels good. And it's like, all right, I made this decision. Now I can start moving on whatever plan is following that decision. That is amazing. I also have felt that. And now actually, strangely, I use that as an indicator for whether or not I felt like I'm making the right decision for me. Yeah. Uh, if I'm getting some of those sen- same senses and feelings after I've made that decision, uh, that helps yes. validate it. That said, though, I'm curious, what advice would you give to people who are in those same sort of situations mm-hmm. who are trying to make those types of decisions for themselves? Because it's it's hard. You know, it's really hard. And I, I think so much about this. And I think from some of my other friends and contacts too, I wish that I had a coach while I was still at my last job. Mm -hmm. I wish I had hired a career coach while I'm just within my company trying to make decisions. And it's lonely at the top. And the farther you move up in a company, especially when you've been there for a while, people have seen you at, at different levels. And so when you get to the top, it's hard to find the right people to admit that you're not sure what to do or you need help. And so you have to build that network. And yes, you build it within, but I absolutely think building it outside of where you're at is so helpful. And you know, when I left, I made a huge effort to build my personal board of advisors. Yeah. And and I had I mean, I joined a women's networking group. I had happened to your career. We had the happen to your career group outside of that. I had my therapist. I had my friend who wanted help marketing. She started her life coaching business. So we were trading hour for hour. And then I had some other people that I just, I just made a list. Like these are the people that are going to support me. But if I look back, I wish I'm like, man, I would have enjoyed work more before if I would have done some of those things earlier, if I, if I had worked harder to put that together, I just want to tell any HR person out there, any manager out there, help your people get that network because it would be so beneficial. It creates a much healthier place to operate from is how I've always thought about it as opposed to not having not having that network and having all those questions like should i be doing this should i not be doing this is this right for my career is this like all the million things that go through and i've experienced the same thing the further up you go in any organization no matter what size it is small or large it definitely becomes far more challenging to find people to where you can talk through things like that and it's still appropriate and productive and useful for, for the other people as well and yourself. Yeah. And, you know, we put a lot of pressure on people's managers, but I think finding a mentor is helpful. But the thing I liked about having a coach is 
that person is dedicated to helping me. And, you know, in my case, Mo was seeing all kinds of other people in similar positions. And so it was really helpful to hear, oh, you know, luckily there are a lot of other case studies and other people where we can draw information and draw experience from. And that was very helpful for me too. You're the third person I've talked to today that has said that thing. (laughs) No, but seriously though, like all joking aside, I can completely appreciate where that is. That is very helpful because if it's normalized, whatever it is, whatever we're talking about, whatever type of challenge, if it's normalized, that alleviates some of the feelings of craziness or whatever else, you know, other people might feel. I'm not even sure what to call that feeling, honestly. Well, I think there's just, there's so much responsibility. And as a leader, you're trying to be there for your people and you're showing strength and you're showing resilience and all of those things, but it doesn't mean you wouldn't benefit from some help, you know, or somebody to talk through these things with. And from the female perspective, when you work with a lot of males, sometimes it can be intimidating or hard to say, Hey, I don't know what to do here because you're already trying to look like you know what you're doing. So that was another factor sometimes too, is, man, can I find another female who's like 10 years older than me to just kind of tell me how it's going? What do I need to do? (laughs) You know? Yeah. When you, when you look back after you made that decision to make a change, and then as you started exploring what your next steps would look like, what was most challenging or what surprised you along the way? I had to, I mean, my job was my identity. So I had to figure out who was I without this job and and what did I want to do? And there was some work for me to understand that just because I left that role, I didn't leave all of my strengths behind and I didn't leave, you know, who I was behind. All of that was still me. I could take that with me and then I just needed to look for the next place to apply it. So I think it was unraveling that idea of, you know, am I a failure for leaving this role? Was it because I couldn't handle it? Was was there something wrong with me that I couldn't do this? And kind of getting to the point where, no, that's absolutely not the case. And I think there was also a, a really positive feeling the day that I posted on LinkedIn that I had left that role. So many industry contacts had had complimented the work I had done to that point. And I think that was a learning too, to say, all right, I I did this for a really long time. I've banked all this. This is my experience and no one can take it from me. And I don't need to feel bad about making this decision for myself. It's okay. It's good. These, and again, life has phases. You make these changes. You don't have to stay at the same place your whole career. And sometimes it's okay to, to do that for yourself. Why do you think that's so hard for so many of us? Well, I mean, it's safe and comfortable and you know what you're doing. You've got that structure, you know, the bad and the good already. You don't have to learn that. And you have your network and you have all of that. I think, I think it's scary to, to let it all go and just kind of be out there by yourself. And I think that's really hard. And the other thing, you know, when you're a manager, you don't want to leave your people. You feel bad about, oh, I don't want to let sense of responsibility is pervasive. Yes. And then you have to remind yourself that, look, any of these people could leave tomorrow. You have to be kind of selfish. And and it can be hard to be selfish about those things when you've been trained to be in a leadership role where your your main job is to help develop people and, and to help your team. 
you know, to say, all right, I need to be selfish about what I need, especially after surviving the pandemic together. It can be really hard to to say, all right, I got to do this for me. Yeah. So let's talk about that for just a second. I think that's really fascinating that you use the word selfish there, because I would argue that changing pieces so that you can make sure that you're taken care of as well as taking care of your kids, you know, your family is probably not actually that selfish, but it definitely feels selfish. I, I jokingly and seriously use that word a lot. Like, I'm like, go ahead and be selfish. Like for a minute, like what, but what do you think for you that feels selfish to where we need to use that word? Because you're not a selfish person. (laughs) You're the furthest thing from a selfish person that I can think of still though. It feels that way. So tell me about it. I will tell you, it doesn't feel that way anymore. That's great. Yes. I, I just, I think at the time, because you spend so much time building these things and you're so committed, you know, maybe we, we take so much out of the the success and the things that we're able to do, it's really tangible. The rewards of working and doing that are very tangible. You get paid, you see, you get praised, you see the results on a, on a budget, on a sales sheet, you can really touch and feel those, the success of what you're doing. And so it's a very tangible way to see that what you're doing matters. It's not always tangible to see that I made chicken for my kids and they're super happy. That's not, (laughs) sometimes they're not super happy. Yeah, actually, I guess they don't really like my cooking, but I think we tie so much of our worth into that and who we are into that. And, you know, and especially me being a female in in a more male dominated area for so Mm -hmm. long, being a first generation college student. I mean, I remember thinking at some point, I'm done. I don't have to prove anything to anybody else anymore. Like I'm done. I can be done with that. And now it's about what works for me in this part of my life. And I only have eight more years till my kids go to college. What do I want that next eight years to look like? Yeah. We've definitely had that conversation many times over where it's like, there's only this much time for this, for the kids, for, and that is definitely a driving force for me as well. I am also really curious, you said, Hey, I don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel like it is selfish in the same way that I did at the time. What changed for you and what did you have to do for yourself in order to get to that point, to be able to look at it differently? Mm -hmm. Well, I started writing and I think that was helpful. I also think when I finally started talking to other people about other jobs and explaining my experience, the reaction I would get was sometimes surprising. You know, when you're at the same place for so long and and you're always pushing and put, being pushed and doing things, you don't actually realize maybe, you don't appreciate everything you've done. Not everybody's been to all the countries I've been to. Not everybody's done the things I've done, but it's hard to realize that when you're in it. And so I think when I started looking at other opportunities and talking to other people, it was nice to see their reaction to, oh, you know, and and just realize that, all right, there is value without this company. There's value without my title. There's my experience is here. I'm very comfortable and confident in what I have done. And so I, I think it was just starting to reach out and look at other positions and realize and be able to compare all those years and what all that experience looks like compared to other potential roles. Mm. And also just honestly, just talking to other people who have, have done it, listening to the podcast. I mean, you have so many good examples of 
nothing fell apart when they quit and found the next thing. Every one of those is a, a life still went story. on crazy yeah. as it is. Like life still went on. I, that was a huge thing for me. Like, Oh, it's cool. If I don't leave the country for a month, guess what? I still have cool things to do. There's people to meet. Life is going on all around me outside of where I was at. And I just, I needed to actually see it to believe it. Okay. Let's go all the way back to when you made that decision and mm-hmm. you were maybe even just before that decision, maybe the the month prior to that, because we have a lot of people that are listening to the podcast that are in that place right now. And they are considering, Hey, do I stay? Do I go? If I went, what would that look like? Like, what does the world, all the things that, you know, having been there run through all these crazy things that run through your mind. And also some of the not so crazy ones too. And you don't necessarily know which ones are which, but what, what advice would you give to that person? Who's in that place? Who's trying to decide, you know, should I make a career change? If so, what does that look like? What does a better life or better career look like for me? What does extraordinary look like? Yeah. I mean, the, well, if they're listening to the podcast, that's a great start because for me, it was just so helpful to hear other people make that decision and, and come out. Okay. On the other side, that was really helpful. And I still have it up in front of me on my board, the ideal career profile, like writing down, here is what I want it to look like. And and you could even, you know, what I ended up doing was I made a spreadsheet with here are all the things I want, here are all the opportunities, and I would score it. And it would give me a really quantitative, objective look at, at this. I mean, people could do that where they're currently at, too, to see what, what's missing, you know, and I would, when I used to coach my team members, I'd be like, all right, you're not happy where you're at, but can we design something internally first? Can we look at that first? But I mean, honestly, I hate to be a broken record, but hire a coach, go get yourself a career coach. <laughs> it's so, so much easier. <laughs> I very much have been in the camp over and over again. And my identity used to be built on, I can figure this out myself. Like very, very much so strong. Like my dad is a wonderful, really wonderful role model. And also he's the type of guy who would just figure it out, like never pay for anything. So that was what I grew up with. And well, in some cases I'm still releasing that. (laughs) And it's just, there are many things in life. It's just harder or impossible to do on your own. So I I really appreciate that advice. Not just because we have a team of coaches (laughs) working with people all over the world. Well, and I think it's, I mean, it's really daunting when you haven't updated your resume or really been on LinkedIn because you've been happy for a long time or when you haven't done any of those things, it's so overwhelming to think about. I don't even know where to find a person to help me or how to do this. And so a couple of years ago, I found somebody to help me rewrite my LinkedIn and my resume just in case, you know, Yeah. and I found happened to your career by Googling, you know, and I was like, And I I compared it with a few other things and was like, this one feels good, but I just kind of had to take some leaps of faith to find some of those resources because it, when you, you have to start, you have to start somewhere. I think that's the the thing. One last fun fact before we go, I feel really fortunate that I, I get to interact with a lot of our clients, not all of our clients, but uh, you and I got to meet along the way and that doesn't necessarily happen for everyone. But then Later on, we we actually talked about 
a role here at Happen to Your Career, which is something that doesn't happen all the time at all. And what was really cool, you mentioned your ideal career profile, which you said, hey, I still have up. And your ideal career profile you know, helped us realize that what we were talking about at the time just honestly was not the right opportunity for you. And I think that that is so cool and evidence of like, hey, that working and you staying in line with what is what is true for you. Yeah, I think that was so helpful. And, you know, there were there were a lot of times along the journey where I was like, I should take this job, you know, or I should take these jobs because I should I should get a job. And it was it took a lot of patience and willpower and practice to say no to things that weren't right. That's so hard. (laughs) Yeah. But as I went along, it got it got a little easier. But there were definitely points where I was like, I should probably just take this job. And (laughs) I'm glad I didn't do that. Well, kudos to you because I, I know how that hard that is. And we've seen that same challenge with, at this point, thousands of people. And that is no easy feat. And it says something about the work that you did to get up to that point to where you could see that, yes, it feels like I should take this, but no, I shouldn't because it conflicts with all of my other priorities and what I hold dear and uh, what is important to me in the next opportunity. So nice job. Many of the stories that you've heard on the podcast are from listeners that have decided that they wanted to take action and taken the first step of having a conversation with our team to try and figure out how we can help. And if you want to implement what you have heard and you want to completely change your life and your career, then let's figure out how we can help. So here's what I would suggest. Just open your phone right now and open your email app And I'm going to give you my personal email address, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Just email me and put conversation in the subject line. And then when you do that, I'll introduce you to the right person on our team and you can have a conversation with us. We'll try and understand your goals and what you want to accomplish in your career, no matter where you're at. And we can figure out the very best way that we can help you and your situation. So open it up right now and send me an email with conversation in the subject line. Scott at happenedyourcareer.com. Hey, I hope you loved this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if this has been helpful, then please share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers that badly need it. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. The price tags are just made up. Somebody writes a price on your job the day before you walk in to talk about it. And whether you negotiate or not is a choice you get to make. Let's time travel into the future for just a moment. It's a few months down the road. You've been working on a career change, finding the right organization, determining what matters most to you, all the things. You've been doing that for months now and your commitment has paid off. You've just received an offer from the organization that you want to work with very most. It's pretty much a wonderful fit all the way around. Okay, so you finish popping some champagne, you do some happy dancing. It's now time to negotiate. You might be thinking, what, negotiate and risk losing this amazing offer? And that's so commonly the response. Or even if you're willing to negotiate, so many people think that it is a struggle and it is something that they 
don't want to do, and it's undesirable. I want you to think about it like this. Receiving that offer means out of every single person that was considered for a position, they want you. Now the ball's in your court. So how do you propel yourself for that conversation? How do you make this amazing offer actually everything, including on the finance side, including on the offer side, including the other things that can be structured into an offer? How do you make it all that you thought it could be into your ideal? All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out.